Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Well, he hit a ball that sounded like a gunshot yesterday. To right center, by the way. Let's not leave that out, going the other way. Eugenio Suarez, the man with the best hair on this team, and apparently (laughs) the best singing voice. He's got a big performance scheduled for a half hour from now. You're singing later today, huh? I will. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Now, do you hit the high notes? Like, what what does that sound like? Uh, I don't know how to – I don't know, but I – I practiced it this morning, and it doesn't sound bad. Okay. So I, I hope it sounds better than the, under my. Is somebody going to be recording? Will we have an opportunity to hear this later? Maybe. We don't know. Maybe. Right. Surprise. Celine Dion. Celine Dion. It's Celine Dion. It's not easy. No, that's, I believe, on the upper. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. you wouldn't start with something maybe a little easier to sing. It's the only song that I know in English. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Is well, it? It's nice to have you here, man. We, we, uh, we were here when you got, were traded here last year, and I don't think anyone really knew what to expect. Scott certainly didn't seem to know what a, what a great guy you were, and I've heard him talk about you and say that you are one of the most consistent people he's ever been around. How did how did that develop for you? How did you become such a consistent person? <clears throat> you know, uh, this this game teach me how to how to you know how to do it. And this game is so hard, and I just try, you know, enjoy enjoy the moment, enjoy the momentum, and and enjoy my game. Uh, I'm a happy guy growing up. I always play this game for fun, and I enjoy a lot what I do. And uh, you know, in my career, and I have tough, I uh, mean, tough times, uh, but. Uh, on those tough time, I just try to to be the same guy when I when I'm when I'm good, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm not try to change anything. I just try be me and uh, and and do my thing. And one of the the more important to me is that I enjoy the game, you know, have a good vibes and 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 good energy, show everybody who I am. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's that's pretty much my myself. There may have been some tough times. There were some great times. You were an all-star in this game. You've been a highly productive player in this league. But as a collective group last year, as a team, was that one of the most enjoyable seasons of your life in baseball? Definitely, yeah. You know, in my career, I, I've been in a really good things. And but last year was more like very special for me, for my career, and for our team, for our fans from Seattle. And uh, last year, everything was fine, man. Everything was, like, enjoyable. Or like you say, we, we, we have a really, really good year last year. And, uh, and, and we're hungry for more, you know. And uh, this year, I think it's going to be better than last year. We just got to uh, play our game like uh, we did it last year. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing changed. Just enjoy, play hard every day. And, uh, and you see the results always going to be there. You know, when you play this game like, like uh, we did it last year, you got a good results. Who got you into baseball? My dad. You know, um, I grew up and my dad and my 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 family played baseball. So my dad was the the, the first one who bring me to the uh, to the field and touched me balls and we played cards in the, in our patio. You know, he he was the guy who pushed me to play baseball. When did you know growing up that this could be a possibility? Um, 
you know, I, like I, tell, I grew up playing baseball and other sports. Like, you know, I'm, I really like soccer and that stuff. But I, I, and when I was 15, I took this this sport for serious. Like I told my dad, like, I want to be a professional baseball player. I told my, my family, like, I want to be like Omar Vizquera one time. And uh, I love that. Uh, grow up, that, that was my, my favorite player to watch. And uh, I told my dad, like, I want to be like him in big leagues. You know, I never thought that gonna, this is going to happen. Uh, eight years in big leagues right now and uh, everything that I do and everything that I've been doing. And, and you know, just dream come true every year. You know, we got different goals, and, and one of my goals was play play baseball, play in big league, and and not only play big league, you stay for a long time in, in, in the show. Growing up, how easy is it to watch and follow baseball in Venezuela in a small town? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because, you know, I, I, I wasn't not poor guy, but not poor family, but we don't have that opportunity to watch uh, TV all the time because it's, it's a student and play baseball, not watch the TV. You know, we just have like one, one or two TVs and and we not watch uh, TV like that. But when I watch, I love to watch uh, Omar Vizquera and Derek Jeter also. Mm. I, I, I grew up uh, Yankee fans. I, I might be this is not gonna be yeah. right. If I said it, but I, mean, I grew we up. Have, we all have faults. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> some of us make mistakes. Yeah, but I, I like, I like, I like, I really like <clears throat> the way uh, Derek Jeter play the game. You know, and he stayed for a long time in the in, in the business, and is 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 very, you know. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. <clears throat> I'm a little nervous about Celine Dion this morning. <laughs> I mean, I am. We, we are. <clears throat> I, we're man, a, I'm so sorry, but you're at a low level. No. and you've now got to crank this thing, man. Huh? I, I'm really nervous, but uh, I just got to think about doing it. I yeah. had it doing it. You just right. got to go. We You've see. already committed. Yeah, already. I mean, so, remember I when Cliff Lee said to us in sitting in this seat yeah. years ago, you got to fake it till you make it. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. ju- even if you're nervous, you just got to go. You just got to go. That's it. Hey, this guy walked over your shoulder. Not, not this fella. Uh, just a little while ago, this guy named Julio. Uh, he, he, he walked past you. He cast a large shadow. From your perspective, who is Julio Rodriguez? Man, I think everybody knows Julio in the, on the field, you know, uh, Obviously, he got a lot of talent. He won. He won the Rookie of the Year last year. But off the field, I think he's he's the the best. He's better better in person than than player, and he's a really good player. You know, Julio. Julio is very special. I think you know. Last year, when I just get here, he was the only guy in the clubhouse at 5 p.m. last year, when nobody here. He he was in the clubhouse working. And he was the guy when the first guy who would say hello to me. And uh, when I asked him, well, "What are you doing here at this time?" Because nobody here. So I'm now I'm working. I got to I got to make this team this year. I was like, okay, this is the guy what we need, you know. And uh, you see, he showed he showed in uh, last year. He got a tremendous years. That's that's why he deserves everything he 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 has right now. And uh, but off the field, he he's. Way more better than than player. You also paved the way. You came from Cincinnati, and then a few months later, Luis Castillo decided to come over and join. Well, he didn't decide. They traded for him. But he did come over and join you. Tell me a little bit about what what you've seen from Luis and how maybe he's a little different here in Seattle than things were for him in Cincinnati. Um, I I know Castillo for a long time. You know, I see him come uh, call out when he got called up with us in in Cincinnati. Sorry. And... 
the way he prepared, the way he working every day, every time, every time he, he prepared for to be who he who is who he is right now, you know. And I, last year he helped us, and you see in the playoff in Toronto, that's Castillo that I know, you know, the guy who likes to pitch and compete, and he like to win the game. So I'm so happy when when. We wasn't we wasn't in Houston when they they trade him and I was so happy I was at third base and they told me hey we we just got Castillo I was I was I I went to the club I went to the to the clubhouse and texted him like hey man I can't wait to see you over here you know you you're gonna help us it's a big move that uh, our uh, front office make it and that that is gonna be awesome this year too <laughs> so I'm not a singer my last thing for you. Um, but I do some voice work at times professionally. Yes. And and I'm also a screamer. I mean, we golfed all last night, and maybe I get a little amped up. Just a good, just a tiny piece of advice, because you're going to perform in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. A little hot water and honey. Yeah. Hot water and honey? Yeah. Okay. Mix a little hot water and yeah. honey, and you're just going to coach your vocal cords. Okay. And you're going to perform. Yeah. I, I, and like I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, yes, just right? Just you know, like her. You just, yes, just <laughs> like her. You're going to be but, just like Celine <laughs> But a little warm water, a little honey, and you and can And if not, I would turn it over later. to Tom Murphy and see if you could get him to do some Slipknot, maybe, yep. or something like that. <laughs> it seems like your best guess to try yeah. to get out of it. <laughs> Thank you, Gino. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it, man. I appreciate this you guys for the time. Thank you so much. You, Thank I think you. you were just becoming a media. Oh, and there's your guy. I'm sorry. Yep. I can't let you go without there asking about Perry Hill. I can't. Hey. I just I have to ask you about uh, What has this guy done for your career and he, your defense? He changed my career, man. Believe it. He changed my career for in a good way. You know, mm. he helped me. Last year was my best my best year as a defender. Defender year. And everything was because... Perry Hill, Mr. Baum, and I appreciate everything he do for me. We work, we work hard every, every day, and he just simple. He make everything simple, but uh, we good results after that. So everything, Mr. Perry, do for me. It's pretty cool. Thank you, man. We'll let you go. We know you Thank got you guys stuff to so do. much. There goes Eugenio Suarez. What a guy, man. Instant fan favorite in Seattle. We got a lot to do. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know, and then Joe Fan at 730. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. We'll come back win for the Mariners yesterday. A walk-off spring training victory. Those are always fun. But the good stuff happened well before the end of this game. Logan Gilbert making his first start of the spring. He was okay. Got the ball up a little bit and around a little bit. He didn't look particularly happy afterwards. And I'm sure he was working on some stuff. So I don't think anybody's too concerned. He did throw his new splitter a couple of times. Scott Service liked it. You know, as Logan always does, he's always, you know, focused on picking up one or two things and making them a little bit better. Last year, he was trying to pick up the tempo in his, his delivery um, and his times of the play and all that other stuff, which he was able to do uh, much better. I think uh, focus has kind of come out with a, a changeup or a split, whatever, that could be a little bit more uh, usable for him. What I've seen in the bullpens has been outstanding. And it, it seems of all the guys that have played around with it, this might be the most advanced or farthest down the road. Again, I don't want him to go out there and throw 20 of them in the game. It should be like a 10 to 12, 15% pitch. Um, it could help him. It's lefties. 
<laughs> I love the shrug. It kind of trailed, right? Voice. It all kind of trailed off throughout as he was describing Good album. I mean, uh, it was also pretty cool to see Eugenio go the other way for a home run. Deep center field, sort of right center. Again, I, I, I will say this. One of my questions about this team is if Eugenio can repeat what he did last year. Not just from a home run standpoint, but just from an overall hitting standpoint. And I have a feeling that if he's going to, the key for him is going to be able to use the entire field. Yeah, you know what's interesting about him? I was looking up some of his numbers actually just yesterday as we have seen a bump in batting average. And I know all the analytics guys and new baseball guys don't. Oh, here it goes. Football guy talking about batting average doesn't mean anything. It still is something, especially as a baseline across the league you know that he's over a 250 career average guy right and so you know this power threat yes and you know we're we're starting to see as we watch these games every day this week oh wow that ball got through oh wow that ball got through like more balls are going to get through the infield than what we have seen over the last decade the shift is going to have a bit of a factor and yeah i don't think it's unreasonable will he hit 30 plus home runs maybe not Maybe not, but with some of the pickup of the pace of other guys in the lineup, he may not have to, and actually, you know, see a few more hits get through, but the personality is what you love, and uh, I sure hope you all enjoyed that. Last 10 minutes as much as we did here. Here's the second thing you need to know. Combine pretty well underway in Indianapolis this week. Valuable tool, because you got to evaluate all these guys, see how fast they are, big they are, strong they are, etc. But John Schneider... Talking to Wyman and Bob yesterday says it's a whole lot more than that. Definitely all of it. It's meeting with uh, other general managers or other, uh, you know, other cap guys, personnel uh, directors, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the, the, the uh, free agency market landscape is going to look like, uh, setting up, um, trying to set up possible trades, uh, trade scenarios, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, uh, in the, you know, on, you know, setting up for draft day or just in the offseason in general, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what people's caps look like, cap casualties. Um, yeah, just really trying to get a lay of the land. And from a percentage standpoint, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's 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 definitely like a, uh, you know, 7 o'clock till, you know, call it 3 o'clock type of uh, process. And that's not 3 o'clock p.m. That would be 3 o'clock a.m. And then those early hours of, I think there are conversations in, in certain places to just try to get a feel, as he said, of exactly where this market's going, what the franchise tags are going to look like, what trade opportunities, something that he, like Jerry DePoto here, uh, loves to take part in and probably take more risk in that trade element. And that, I think, honestly, Salk, is something to watch. It's easy for us in the black and white to look at these prospects, for me to evaluate these guys, many who have I'm seeing in person. But if we think back to the history of this franchise, we did this about a month ago. Remember, we looked at all of the trades of John Schneider over his 12 years. There's a lot of them. And, you know, you saw last year the Eagles and Howie Roseman, the executive of the year. What helped them take that next step? What was it? It was trading their first rounder, right, for Brown, the receiver, who became just a difference maker for them. So when we look at five and we look at 20, don't just think about that draft capital on draft day. I think we've really got to look at it when this league year begins in just a couple weeks of what they can do, like Howie Roseman did at Philly a year ago. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, quiet so far for the Kraken as today is the trade deadline in the NHL. But good news, they lost three straight, if you remember. But now they bounce back. They've won two in a row. They've been an overtime win yesterday. Oliver Bjorkstrand doing the honors. OT, second goal of the night for him. Couple for McCann. He's now got 29 on the year, man. That is a really good year for Jared McCann with a whole bunch of games left to play. And, uh, yeah, tough night for Martin Jones. Benched after giving up three goals last night. Lots of options now for Ron Francis. Could still use a little power play help. Cut four here. Uh, Greg Wyshynski on yesterday with Bump and Stacey with some thoughts on wh- what he could do. Like, I think at this point for the Kraken, the, the question is, more along the lines of where can we upgrade over the players that we already have and and like you were saying and when we started the conversation i mean it's all a matter of where ron francis thinks this team is and its maturation as a contender i mean they have the luxury of being able to wait knowing that they've got veteran guys in some places but but a player like veneer clearly is going to be the torchbearer for the next you know several years of what the team's going to be I guess I wonder also what message that sends to this team. It can go both ways. Exactly. You don't make a move. You can say, boys, and you know, as they do in hockey, boys. I like this team. Uh, this team. And we got enough in this locker room. We don't need to go out and get anything. Flip side of it, maybe some of the veterans who do know what these final 20 games are like and what a playoff's like and the injection of a piece that you need, whether that can do in that locker room as well. Easy to read it both ways. And what time is the deadline? Is it 1 o'clock this afternoon or so? Some some point tonight? Uh, they're going to create that narrative one way or the other. I think it's late. I think they do like a late deadline. Oh, do they really? It's going to be like 9 o'clock. Really? Like yeah. Huh. My memory is that these things It's usually 4 Eastern time, right? I know. My memory, though, for whatever reason, is that this can go late into the night. All right. Like Joe Fan in Vegas. It's 3 p.m. Eastern. All right. So I'm totally <laughs> Well, that, that was late into the night. 3 p.m., 3 a.m., just like John Schneider. sure it's not 3 a.m., Mar? Are you sure you're not misreading that? All right, there you go. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour. Don't listen to anything I say. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I was just guessing. I remember a trade, a Mark Recchi trade that came down really late at night, but uh-huh. maybe it was the night before the deadline yeah. instead of actually being at the deadline. So, all right. You know what? Don't worry about it. Let's go. We're going to take a moment off, right? we got guys coming out of the cold tub over here. we got rehearsal going on inside with Penn Murphy playing guitar and, and Eugenio singing. And it Celine like- Dion in the house yes. today. It sounds like you got a little uh, Harry Ford on the sax. I heard a little snip on my way inside. How did it sound? Like, oh boy, that's loud. Did it sound good? I mean, it was just like a throat clearing. It sounded like a, a very quick guitar strum. Mm. And uh, it didn't sound great. I'm, just, I'm not going to say it sounded good. Shannon is going to give us the full breakdown. Yeah, she is. Sure. She is. She's got front row seats. Well, she she did. She put a, she put a little tent out oh, there wow. ahead of Divish trying to make to get, sure. Trying yeah, to get tickets ahead of time. That's right. Like camping out for tickets. Like Cameron indoor. Good stuff. All right. Joe Fan's going to join us next. We still got plenty of guests today. Uh, let's see. Eight eight o'clock. Shannon Dreyer will sit down with us. Eight thirty will be Cal Raleigh. Nine thirty will be Logan Gilbert. Nine forty five. Larry Saul. Sheesh. Huge day. As we wrap things up, thanks to Alaska Airlines and Kitsap Credit Union, we're at spring training for a few more hours. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here uh, in spring training for one last day. Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com. Beautiful day down here today. Sun way out. I mean, it is a beautiful, bright blue sky, and we got 
some guys working on some infield drills behind us, team meetings this morning, and then everybody everybody will be out in the fields uh, before an away game uh, at Arizona a little bit later today. Uh, Shannon Dreyer will join us in a half hour. Cal Raleigh, 8.30. Logan Gilbert, 9.30. Right now, Joe Fan, our regular Friday conversation. Hi, buddy. How we doing? I'm doing great. How's everything been down in Arizona? <sighs> Living the life down here, Joe. I mean, this is... Uh-huh. This is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. As was Top Golf last night. First time Salk's ever been there. Shannon Dreyer's ever been there. I mean, Maura Dooley ever there. I mean, it was, uh, it was a, it was a home run, as they like to say in baseball. I saw the team pick. Uh, who was the star of the show? Shannon. Yeah, I mean, Shannon hit it. Hits it about two seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah. She just she hauls okay. off and whacks it. Yeah, like okay. remember when yeah. DeChambeau went over the, everything like, uh-huh. on the par five? Yep, I'd say uh-huh. that was sort of Shannon inches, two hundred seventy-five inches. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, well, whatever. Yeah, deep. it was <laughs> however you want to uh, put this together. Hey, uh, what uh, what are you seeing, Joe? We've I've been so heavy on baseball here, obviously, and just had an absolute blast uh, getting close to this Mariners team and and Salk and I over the moon, just the likability and everything else. But let's shift to a little bit of football with you. Um, have you did you? partake in any of the combine watching yesterday or maybe even much more importantly the press conferences that john and pete had this week you read anything into what you're seeing yeah i've sort of kept tabs on it certainly um you know i think the big headlines that pertains to the seahawks is the you know the jalen carter news and the, the warrant out for his arrest and i know he released a statement saying he'll be exonerated but you know, that's a big thing when you're looking at a guy who could potentially go number five and be this, you know, next cornerstone piece to your defensive line, all of a sudden that might completely change. And then also the rise of Anthony Richardson uh, to where, you know, you've seen the odds plummet from where it was, you know, they were, it's crazy long odds to be the first overall pick. And now he's, you know, among the favorites. And so he probably still doesn't go one, although it's, I guess, possible. There's still, you know, a month plus till a draft for, you know, his rise to continue throughout the rest of the combine week. And then, into his pro day and beyond with the official visits to the team facilities. Um, but another quarterback in the mix is certainly interesting. You know, not just because it might push a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson down the board, but also it might be a guy or push a guy down the board that the Seahawks like and ultimately want to pick. And, and certainly Pete and John made that clear that even if they keep Geno, that you know taking a quarterback in the first round is on the table, I think, as it should be. And so, yeah, I think we're still waiting for that Geno Domino to fall, and we're a couple weeks away from, from finding out what's going to happen there, at least as it pertains to the new league year, if they can get something done prior to that. Um, but I think those are kind of the top headlines this week coming out of Indianapolis. If they do take a quarterback in the first round, whether it's at five twenty or somewhere in between with a trade, who would you like to see them take? I mean, Anthony Richardson is certainly a tantalizing prospect. I mean, high weight, speed, all of that. I mean, the, the upside is, is evident. Um, you know, I, I won't pretend to be, you know, a quarterback expert, and so I certainly would lean to Brock there. Um, but, but, yeah, I think if, if they grade – the way I would say it is if they grade someone to be worthy of that slot to where they don't feel like they're reaching, it would be a, a major error to let them go. Um, because you feel good about Geno Smith. And that's no knock on Geno. But the reality is getting to this spot, you know, in the top five is not a place you want to be drafting very frequently. And I don't think they feel like they're going to be drafting there very frequently. The only reason they're there now is because of the Broncos. So I think passing on a quarterback would be a huge error if if that entire team, John Schneider and his 
his cohorts decide that, hey, this guy is worth the fifth pick or the 20th pick or trading up or down. However, it ends up shaking out in the first round. You cannot pass up a guy you feel like has the upside of being a franchise uh, quarterback. Joe Fan here with us as he is every single Friday. So what shakes out over the next three plus days? Because it isn't a couple weeks. That's when the new league year begins. But the Seahawks first decision comes with the expiration of the franchise tag deadline, which is early next week, Monday, I do believe. So do you think Geno Smith gets tagged? Uh, do you see other players get tagged in the next 24, 48, 72 hours? I don't think he's going to get tagged. I just don't think they're going to have that firm salary cap dump of what that number will be to where they can't manage it around multiple years. Um, and I think they're really bullish on the program. And if it has to be Drew Locke for a year, then they can make that work. And, you know, maybe they've got their eyes on a rookie and saying this is where it's going to go. Um, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's where this is headed. And it's been, a, I've you know, really done a full 180 on this because during the year, it just seemed to me, it was like a no brainer. There's just no way they let him walk given, you know, the level of quarterback play he brings you. But um, I, to me, it seems reading the tea leaves and kind of reading between the lines of, of what John and Peter saying, and, you know, and John said, yes, it's a tool at their disposal, but he kind of moved forward from it pretty quickly. And um, it just seems like that's not the route they want to go, um, which, you know, I get it does make things much harder when you're trying to, you know, make other moves and, and be active in free agency. And then you certainly have to get even more creative elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not anticipating Geno Smith being tagged uh, before the deadline. Uh, Joe, I read your uh, column this week and kind of talking through the Mariners and this roster and what it should look like and some of the battles, et cetera. Uh, and you guys can read Joe a couple days a week, SeattleSports.com. You should already know that and you should already be doing that. But, hey, I'm not above a reminder now and again, just a little kick in the shorts, remind everybody that you're supposed to go, you know, read Joe throughout the week. Uh, what are you most curious about when it comes to this Mariner team right now? I think for me it's, well, there potentially is a roster spot available. You know, I don't know what's happening with Tommy Listella, but when he was signed, you know, given the money, and you know, I just kind of assumed that he would assume uh, the last roster spot behind, I guess, a, you know, assuming healthy Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty and A.J. Pollock and uh, the other guys on the bench. Um, so I'm curious how that shakes out. But to me, the, the bullpen is fascinating. You know, when you look at Bryce Miller and Prelander Barella and, and what are the odds that, you know, even coming out of camp, you say they are one of the 13 best arms or two of the 13 best arms on this roster. How can you justify leaving them off? And so I know the Mariners would prefer to get them more minor league innings, but you know, when you have an American league that's as stacked as it is, and you have to play a full schedule of playing every team in baseball, and you know, you're still chasing the Astros and the Rangers and angels have improved and you say, okay, yeah, we like Bryce Miller coming up in June. Well, what about April and May? Um, where he could be dominant in your bullpen as well. And so I still think it's probably mostly a long shot, but I do think those names are probably, you know, deservedly so kind of stealing the headlines in Peoria right now because I do think from going into spring training to coming out of spring training, they could be legitimate difference makers that are that make the case throughout the next month of saying, hey, we know you're, you're counting on us eventually, but you should be counting on us right now because – We've shown you we're better than everything else that, you know, is on the roster currently. Barroa looked pretty good yesterday. Barroa? Yeah. 
He's pretty nasty. Yeah, we watched him yesterday. Uh-huh. He got a slider, a little slide piece, Brock, that uh, that you see it buckle, right? I mean, you see guys buckle in a spring training game where it's hard to really throw breaking stuff down here. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Who was the first name Joe mentioned there? La, la what? La Stella? Tommy La Stella. Yeah, he's been a no-show. Have we seen him? No, he's been hurt. Uh, oh, he's been hurt. No, he's been hurt. So he's been a no-show. Okay. And, and Tommy LaStell is not guaranteed a spot on this team because they didn't actually pay him anything. I mean, he got paid by the Giants, and they cut him, owe him the money. The Mariners only had to pick up the major league minimum on him. So yeah. they didn't actually pay Tommy LaStella. If he doesn't show up, Joe, I think it's a good point you make. The guy that probably benefits most for, for my money is Cooper Hummel and giving them an opportunity to carry a third catcher who can play the outfield a little bit. I saw some folks suggesting maybe Evan White would be that guy and that he ends up sneaking onto the Well, because Jerry mentioned him roster. with us yesterday. I don't think they can do that. Honestly, I would be shocked. Not, I guess maybe not shocked. Very surprised if it ends up being I Evan be White on the opening well. day roster. He just needs to play. And it's not that he wouldn't be good enough to be on the opening day roster. Guy hasn't played baseball in two years. You need to just let him go down at Tacoma and just play for a little while. And I would be equally as shocked if he doesn't end up coming up and helping this team at some point this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's one tie France injury away from being the everyday first baseman. And then when you look at his versatility now playing in the outfield, there's a huge benefit as well, there as well when you're competing with um, you know, Cade Marlowe and Taylor Chamel whenever he gets healthy to be on that depth chart in Tacoma and say, okay, you know, somebody goes down in the outfield, you know, this you're the first guy up. So the versatility there is huge. I agree. I think it would be almost irresponsible to have him on the opening day roster because he does just need the at-bats and he deserves the at-bats. And so even if it's just a month of playing every day, the little bit of the wear and tear on the body, you know, four at-bats a game, running the bases, all of that I think is really important for him. I think it would be a huge confidence builder to him to say, yeah, I've I've now gone through some of the paces of a spring training in an you know in a, even a minor league season, and the body feels good. I'm ready to go. I don't really have to have that that thought in the back of my mind that you know I'm it's good now, but when is it not going to be good again? So I completely agree with you there. I think Evan White needs to start in AAA no matter what happens uh, over the course of the, the rest of March. Um, but then yes, you anticipate him being you know a, certainly a very valuable piece on the big league roster. You know, as soon as May or June, potentially, depending on how things shake out. Uh, last question for me here, Joe. If you yeah, could be down me. here in Arizona, it's you, me, Salk, and we, and you can pick any fourth in this Mariners organization. It could be Jerry. It could be Scott. It could be John Stanton. It could be any player on this roster to be the fourth out on the golf course, hanging out, have a little time on the range, maybe a nice little lunch, go 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then we have dinner. I mean, we're talking like a 10-hour day. day, a full day, and you can pick anybody in the Mariners organization to be your fourth. Who would it be? Man, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, I think it's a great Quintero. question. We're playing Quintero. I know that wasn't so part of the hard. question. but I So that. hard. <laughs> That course that's, is so yeah, hard. That's my answer. Stupid that's hard, stupid hard target golf in the desert. Which is great for Salk. Oh, he beautiful. loves that. Ugh. He it loves is. struggling on a golf course. Have you ever played with Salk when he's struggling? I came about great. as close to breaking my clubs as I ever have at Cantero. <laughs> okay, so we're playing Cantero. Oh, Who's track. the fourth? And I think I've, I think I'm having Julio join us. I just I want the huge mistake. Around, you know, <laughs> let, let him finish. Yeah. Let him finish. Go ahead. Yeah, Julio. I, huh? I, I haven't been around the guy. I've heard nothing but good things. So this thing would be a really fun day. I'm sure there's there's somebody there who's an avid golfer you guys obviously know the roster certainly much better than myself having you know been there and been around the team much more than me sort of 
uh, watching from afar in Vegas. But I am curious for your guys' answers as well. Mm. Well, you can't go Julio. You, 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 just, you would have I mean, trouble hitting. I think you'd have trouble concentrating, Joe. His eyes are so beautiful yep. that as they looked at you yes. from a few feet away on a yes. tee box, I think you'd be distracted. I'm yep. not joking. Nope. That's a big mistake. Only if you're looking to shoot over 100. Yeah, it's like Medusa turns people to stone. Yeah. You can't function because he stares through you. Yeah. So he'd be talking to you. You'd be done. You'd play the worst round of your life, yeah. but you'd have a heck of an experience. Who are you saying, Justin? Who do you want to get out there with for, for a full, uh, full day? I want Jared Kelnick. Oh, that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. But remember, he's intense. I know. He's I out there murdering the ball. I want to see it. And he's not talking to you. He's pissed when you're walking yeah. in his putting line. I don't line. think you want to do that. I don't want any part of that. That's a no thank you. Tay Oscar? Smells nice. Yeah. Right? Super easygoing dude. Yeah. I might be my my call. Well, I, it's or, or Luis, maybe. I've got uh, I've got time. a few takeaways, right. Joe, that I've been sitting on. You're going to have to listen later in the show because this is a no brainer. <laughs> Nobody has mentioned the no. name, but when I say it, uh, everybody's going to give a collective nod. Right. So I'll do that a little later. Thank you, Joseph. We appreciate it. <laughs> See you, pal. Enjoy the rest of your time in Arizona, guys. We'll talk soon. There you go, the great Joe fan. And again, you can follow him on Twitter, Joe underscore fan with two ends, or uh, read him on the pages of SeattleSports.com a couple times a week. Joe's a great writer and. We're really lucky to have him. Love talking to him as well. Right now, let me ask Brock some football questions. This is Brock and Sox's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Song. All right, yesterday was uh, day one, for real, of the combine, with guys actually working out and the whole thing. What stood out most? Bigger, faster, stronger, and it just continues to evolve. I don't know where this can go. I was thinking about this when we were watching that pitch track deal, track arc. Like, okay, if this is here now, what's here in 10 years? Like, you know, th- this machine, if you've not heard us talk about it this week, it's in the Jeff it's in this batting cage. It it's it looks like something out of the Jetsons. When the Jetsons went and got with their boy Elroy and Astro and they went and got breakfast in the box and it just popped out of the box. You know, I was like, oh, wow, that'd be nice. Just hit a button and here comes your food. It, it's the same way with this. But this it measures arm slots. It's got a hologram with the actual pitcher's mechanics and his arm slot and where that ball comes out and every pitch and everything else. And I'm thinking, what's what? Is it is it robots in 10 years that look no, just it, it like humans? It actually is what you just said, holograms. Because they're not quite at hologram, right? There's, this is a projection. A projection. So it's, so it's 2D. Gotcha. But a 3D hologram yes. with the exact same thing, yep. that's probably exactly what's Probably next. where we're getting, yeah. uh, eventually. Where does this go in football? Because right now we've got a 6'2", 284-pound man running 4'49 at the combine. You know, uh, Nolan Smith joined DK Metcalf of weighing over 230 and running like sub 4'4". I mean, where, where does this go? And and both of those guys jumped 37 and a half. The first one's out of Aware out of Northwestern, this big D tackle, D and unbelievable physical prowess that Pittsburgh these guys are showing. Pittsburgh guy was pretty good. That'd be uh, Aaron Donald. Kalijah Caney at 280, ran 467. Aaron Donald ran 469. Now he's not. He's got little shorter arms, little squattier body, but un, I mean, just he'd be another example. I just don't know in 10, 15, 20 years where's this going. I mean, are we going to see four hundred pound men run like four eight? That's. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility with the traject 
of where these players are going physically. The trajectory. So impressive. All right, question number two. When you say, think through who John is watching, specifically positions of need for Seattle, who who helped themselves out with what they did on day one? Yeah, so remember yesterday I was talking about earlier this week, what I've learned with all of these guys is you have your tape, you have your grades, you have all that stuff going into the combine, right? So you're not like emotionally overwhelmed by just some freakish workout like Nolan Smith, this DN linebacker from Georgia, who, by the way, in high school broke all these Nike Spark Combine records, too. I mean, he's just, he's different. But then again, his production in college, Mike, 110 tackles, 20 for loss, 12 and a half sacks in his career. That's not one year. Beat up last year at Georgia, missed half the year with injury, but is just a freakish player. So what you want to do is take your grade and then go watch him perform. And who's the one actually who has been hyper-productive? The thing goes out there and actually impresses you more physically. And like Ken Walker did last year. Ken Walker, Doak Walker Award winner, transformed Michigan State, and then went out there and ran 4-3-8. And you're like, whoa, that physical prowess is even more than what the production was. You know who it was yesterday that I would have never imagined? As much as I mentioned Manti Teo on the other end of the spectrum, he's a middle linebacker in the Buckus Award winner, a guy named Jack Campbell out of Iowa. 6'5", 250. Ran 4.63, verted 37 and a half, and had the fifth best broad jump at almost 11 feet, 10 feet 8. And where where would you take him? I mean, he was a guy whose grade going into it was like, yeah, you know, kind of maybe too stiff. Yeah, I always put out some linebackers, but that system, I don't know, just kind of a box guy, can't really run. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, that's just, that's not, that's 6.5, 250 running 4.68. It's 4.65. Is he a second round? You know, does that kind of bump him from a third rounder up to a second? Does that late second to mid, early second? Got some injuries, been banged up a little bit himself as well. But he's one, like Ken Walker, whose physical attributes, I think, far outweighed what people expected because the production on the field, the, the, the Buckus Award winner, 140 tackles, five picks the last two years. Guy knows football as well. Impressive. All right, question number three. I, you sent this to me yesterday, and I couldn't quite believe it. Is Colin Cowherd saying that the Seattle system is in a good place? What is yes. happening? I don't know. It's like once Russell got out, and then remember about a month ago where he like went the other direction, kind of went heel on Russell? Yeah. It's like from that moment now, it's, oh, Pete's program. Look at these other 10 in the top 10. Dysfunctional. Mess. Unstable. A QB that ca- that's got to go in there and face chaos versus Pete Carroll. Star left tackle. Star running back, star receiver, stability, star corner, stars, got stars. And you could actually draft a QB and he wouldn't have chaos like all these other 10 picks. I mean, he's gone 180 the other way. The Seahawks really want people to believe they're taking a quarterback. Yes, they do. They really want it. That's the point of that two and a half minute monologue that I sent you of, Colin, as it's even reached now L.A. and it's reached Colin Coward like, hey, hey, we could take a quarterback now, Colin. I mean, we've got a program. We've got our tackles. We've got our skill. You know, we do need a front seven. He didn't mention that. We do need a bunch of front seven players, which may be the most important in the NFL. They do need that. But we also have a system, a culture, where we could slide a QB in and he could come in as a rookie and maybe do what some of these other rookies do perform. I mean, we really like the quarterbacks. We like them a lot. Yep. All right, there you go. That is his 
Blue 88. Every morning, 745, some good football questions for Brock. One little nugget to add to Joe Fan's commentary about Anthony Richardson is I was thinking about that over the years. Do you know who else went from, in December, a second-round pick to the number one pick? Blake Bortles. Baker Mayfield. Top five. But, nope, Baker Mayfield went from end of season. No, no, I'm confusing him with the other guy. Who's, who's the guy from Missouri? Blaine Gabbert Blaine went Gabbert. top ten. Yep, he went top Blake ten. Blake Bortles didn't go number one? Mm, I think he went two or three. Uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on myself here, especially after your NHL trade deadline thing. I'm going to mm. say two or three. Third overall. There you go. 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Trubisky, right in, right in that area. But Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray were two guys that from December to draft day did nothing but go like this. Both of them, especially Kyler, really unique. Right, Baker's tape was so good. Anthony's tape. Not so good. Highlights, unbelievable. But when he performs tomorrow, today's the DBs on the field. The, the QBs are over the weekend. When he runs and he jumps and he throws, they're going to be like, whoa, whoa. But now he's a traits guy whose tape and whose stats don't yeah, back do, I mean, I would think if you're going to draft Anthony Richardson high, just based on what you've told me, you got to really test him. Right? Don't you have to have him in for an interview uh, yes. and show stuff on the screen and see how yes. quickly he processes it? You got to do, and this was a great story that I heard from the, the GM in Buffalo when I did the NFL, Brandon Bean. He said that was the year with five guys, right? With Rosen and Baker and the rest of them, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, five guys in that draft class. And they brought all five in multiple times to Buffalo. And they wanted to see him on the board. And they gave him some of their playbook. And they wanted to see how much it could regurgitate and obviously work out as well. And they, there was no, no question in their mind Josh Allen was their guy. The quickest processor. Yeah. And I think Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and those guys in particular, maybe C.J. Stroud too. And I, I think Bryce Young special. But I think those three are going to be brought into Indy and brought into Carolina and maybe brought into Seattle. And uh, – that same gauntlet of tests to really get to the bottom of it. I'm kind of sad. We only have two more hours out here. I got to admit, I'm getting kind of sad, guys. So we're 90 percent through. Yeah, I, we're in the final 10 percent. We only have two hours left to go. Yeah, but they're going to be a great two hours. Shannon Dreyer is going to join us in a few minutes. Right after that, we'll give you what you need to know, and then uh, Cal Raleigh, Logan Gilbert at 9:30. We're rock and rolling here in our final day. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, Seattle Sports app as well.